0: good morning Happy Easter we're so grateful that you've joined us today if you're um, here all the time if you're a, a family friend a relative and it's um, uh, you're here as a guest we're grateful that you're here if you're trying us out today we're grateful that you're here we try our best to live out radical hospitality we try to have sermons printed out for you if you're hard of hearing we have them in the back. Everything is listed in your bulletin. Um, We have restrooms in the back should you need them. And if you have a rambunctious crowd that's with you, forget about it. We want them here. We want your rambunctious crowd in the pew in the service today. So um, be fine with that. Um, We're grateful that you're here. Uh, We also want you to participate in the prayer life of our church if you so choose. Look at the front cover of your bulletin. And I'm going to give you multiple reasons to use this number, um, both in the future and um, in the next two weeks in particular. Actually, that's right. We did a special Easter bulletin. That's right. Take out your pencils. Take out your pencils. They're, um, they're right in front of you. I want you to write down 864 256 O nine seven five eight six four two five six O nine seven five. anytime if you have a pastoral care concern I'd like you to call that number anytime you'll immediately get a voicemail and if you leave that voicemail I'll get an email in about 30 seconds in the next two weeks in particular um, we're going to be without the office is going to be closed this week coming up and we're going to be without a secretary until May 1st if you have any question of any kind of any sort about life in the church or if you need some door to be opened I need to be aware of it it, um, Erin is recovering our children and family director and basically my right arm on campus she's recovering from surgery nicely but she won't be here this week either so I want you to use that number for any reason in the next two weeks but always use that number for pastoral care. Uh, We believe in passionate worship and my goodness it's been a great week of worship. Uh, Palm Sunday was excellent. We celebrated the life of uh, Miss Katherine Johnson. We had a Monday Thursday service and now today if you missed any of those things um, throughout this week or any service that we do, I want to express gratitude to the people who do our sound and video. You can find just about anything we do on our YouTube page. You can go on our website and click either worship service and you'll see the latest video. You also have the chance to click on any videos and watch them. Uh, very simple. grateful for that. We believe in intentional faith development. And the funny part about that today is we're going to take a break from it today. We don't have children um, programming. We don't have it. Youth programming. We don't have an adult programming tonight. It's Easter Sunday, and we want y'all to spend time with your families. Uh, but we start back up next week at five o'clock, and we encourage you to participate. Um, we believe in risk-taking, mission and service, and extravagant generosity. You're going to hear about both of those in our minute for mission just before the offering uh, with one of yours, Reese Hannon. He's got uh, great announcements uh, to give us. Before we get started with our service, we have an exciting announcement. I'm going to call Kenna Owens Ford. Kenna is our chair of Staff Parish Relations Committee. You say, what on earth is that? That is the human resources entity of any United Methodist Church. So they talk about the relationship between staff, the parish, which is our church, and the relationship between the two. And um, Kenna has worked and her group has worked hard in the last two years. Um, I believe we have our final task here to celebrate.
1: Good morning. I'd like to ask Leslie Pace and her family to come forward. here with me, please. I'm very excited to announce that we have hired a new office manager for our church and I would like to introduce you to her and to her family this is Leslie Pace and her family they have been attending regularly here for almost a year now Leslie is from Greenville she graduated from USC upstate has a bachelor's degree in business with an emphasis in marketing. Her career background includes advertising, marketing, and most recently dental office management and patient care. Leslie and her husband, Brian, currently live in Lyman with their two boys, Colin and Charlie. Colin is seven and Charlie is three. Colin is a student at Lyman Elementary School and Charlie attends our own CEP program. Leslie and Brian have been married for 12 years and they enjoy spending time with family and friends. We are very, very excited to have Leslie. We can't wait for her to start. Her first day is May the 1st. Um, So we ask that you be patient with us as we work in the office and try to make this transition. Please join me in welcoming Leslie as our new office manager.
0: I'm sorry. My, that was my fault. You'll learn that the Pace boys are fearless, but for making them stand up on Easter Sunday in front of everybody, that's not nice. But Leslie, we're so grateful to have you. You can write Leslie. It's very simple. Her email is the same as all of our staff. It's her first name at memorialgreer.com. Leslie at memorialgreer.com. And I encourage you to write her and um, welcome her to our staff. Welcome. We're grateful that you're here and we're grateful to tell this amazing story today. Please stand as you're able for our first hymn, number 302. Please be seated.
2: The first scripture reading is from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 36. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all.
0: us pray. Lord, we thank you for this special day. For drawing us together. For giving us an opportunity to worship with you. We thank you for so many who have made these services happen today. We thank you for safe travel from family and friends. We thank you for the opportunity to gather around tables and laugh and support one another. We thank you for your son, the significance of his becoming fully human, knowing weakness, knowing sadness, knowing pain, and teaching us all about resurrection. Help us focus this morning, Lord, on the text. Help us to see ourselves in each element. Help us to understand the significance back then and today of this magnificent story. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. I'm going to call Reese Hannon forward. Reese is on our um, risk taking mission and service team. And he's going to talk to us about something to celebrate and something to anticipate.
3: Good morning. Uh, Like Joe said, my name is Reese Hannon and I'm here to uh, represent the uh, risk taking mission and service team on our uh, minutes for mission this month. Uh, Every third Sunday of the month we like to come to both services and give an update on our mission efforts as a church to celebrate some things we've done and give us an opportunity to prepare and anticipate for something coming in the future. Uh, this month we're celebrating two things Uh, first our student funds we uh, we raised uh, $970 that will be divided between um, Garner Brooks and Leanna Morris for summer mission trips and projects Uh, both of those are students at at North Greenville University Uh, second uh, thing we're celebrating this month is our Advent offering Um, over the past several weeks we have uh, been taking a collection to help uh, Advent United Methodist Church who had a fire as they were constructing a new sanctuary um, and over those past several weeks we've collected and given uh, $1,310 to Advent and our finance committee will determine an amount uh, to be given by the Strait Burnside Fund um, so we would like to thank you for your extravagant generosity in, in those two efforts uh, what we're anticipating this month is our Epworth's Children's Home uh, Mother's Day offering. Epworth Children's Home has served the children of our state since 1896. Children ages 4 to 18 or that are in the middle of broken family systems are brought to Epworth's campus for education counseling medical care and spiritual enrichment. The primary aim is to is to break the destructive cycle of abuse neglect and shame and replace it with self-respect responsibility and productivity. United Methodist churches around our state supported Epworth with annual donations on Mother's Day for decades and Epworth really counts on our generosity to provide this critical task for these fragile families. You'll begin to see flyers in our bulletins, announcements, in our emails, and in worship and they all will encourage you to participate in this very important um, effort. Extravagant generosity is one of our five practices and we really encourage you to prepare for Mother's Day and participate in this offering with us. Thank you. Thank you, Reese. It's now time for our offering and
0: if you would like to give online or text to give, you'll see instructions on how to do that in the bulletin. You'll never see my family put money in the plate. You know why? Because we set up online and we never deal with it. We never have a check. We never have cash, ever. Um, But we set it up online, and um, I encourage you to do that if that's something you'd like to do. We also have passed the attendance register, and if you'd like to give us any information, contact information, it'll be our pleasure to reach out to you in the way that you give it. be seated. We're grateful to have Jimmy Bagwell with us playing the trumpet today. Thank you, Jimmy. Welcome. Before we start with our text, you can turn to page 1549 or very close to that if you have a um, slightly different Bible. It's chapter 28, page 1549, Matthew chapter 28. Before we begin, let's talk about the cemetery. We live just on Arlington, right over there. And so I walk through the cemetery a couple blocks over nearly every week, every day of the week. A good six out of seven days, if not seven out of seven days. I look at the names all the time. I look at the things that they chose to celebrate. Scripture passages that they chose to list. Service in the military or service in the community or service in the church. I look at the numbers all the time and do the math in my head as to how old they were when they got married, how old they were when they lost one of them, how old they were when they died, how old, what was going on in the world when they were my age. I walk through there a lot. And so I'm looking and seeing what were they doing when, what was the world doing when they were 39 years old? And I see names there that I hear all the time in this church, that I hear all the time in the community. Uh, Big names that that have served Greer for decades. I also see tents arrive. Those tents from funeral homes mean that someone new is there. And generally speaking, I go pretty early so I don't see a lot of people, but generally speaking every once in a while I'll see families out there coming to pay respects and thinking about that individual. The sense I'm guessing that you have when you go through there is permanence. The people that are there, they've said what they're going to say and they've done what they're going to do. And in our connection to them, we've said what we were going to say and we've done what we're going to do. And we might think that was my last opportunity. That what has happened is permanent and can't be taken back so it's that permanence that I want to talk about today that permanence that must have been in the disciples minds that must have been in the followers minds as they were thinking all throughout the um, 36 hours what could we have done what could we have said What could we have not done? What could we have not said in these critical, critical moments? You ever have a test that you knew better than what you put on the paper? You ever have an effort on a chore that someone asked you to do that you could have done a little better looking back on it? You ever have a conversation, a tough conversation with a person and you say, You know, I didn't have to bring up that thing from 15 days ago. I probably could have stuck with the topic of the day. We're always thinking, man, I might not get that moment back. Consider that permanence as we're looking at our text for today. Matthew 28, starting with verse 1. And I'll read parts of it, so if you want to keep your Bible open, I encourage you to do so. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going on to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The Sabbath is the emphasis there. It's a day in which you're supposed to rest. It's a day in you're supposed to reflect. A day in which you're supposed to pray. Their Sabbath being a different day than our traditional Sabbath. But the significance is the same. And it's been around since creation. God said, I'm going to rest on this day. And so as part of God's creation, we're called to pull away. And these people are completely accustomed to that. To pulling away, to reflecting, to trying to understand, for prayer, for rest, to reset. Of course, that Sabbath has been tested a little bit in the last two, three years with them. Because Jesus is healed on the Sabbath. He's done different things on the Sabbath. They were special, they were important, but they were work on the Sabbath. And of course, his followers wondered, Is that what we're supposed to do that? And of course, his detractors said, Absolutely, you're not supposed to do that. But this particular Sabbath followed a savage court case, a violent punishment, and death. Imagine being around the current leadership as a follower of Christ who was desperate to get all that stuff done so that they could then worship God. Don't you think? You would think, what? You wanted to do that to God's Son so that the next day you could worship God. Well, we have to give them credit. To give the religious leadership credit, they thought that by taking Jesus out, they were doing the very will of God. They thought Jesus was the one impeding any sort of truth or love or light coming from God because Jesus was so different than anything they had ever seen or heard. in those hours, in that silence everyone is thinking, my goodness, what could I have done? You ever sit in a room where people are devastated enough that they don't say anything? They're just kind of looking kind of blank. I go into a lot of rooms in which people are experiencing pain and death and loss and a lot of times there's silence. You just can't process it and part of the thing that you're experiencing is the permanence of the moment. But now they're going there to see and there's a dramatic earthquake. There's already been an earthquake on Friday when it happened and now there's another earthquake. Y'all remember the natural disasters that have happened in your lifetime? Is every detail vivid? I remember exactly Hurricane Hugo rolling through Rock Hill when I was a kid and being woken up at 3 in the morning and everything whistling and whirring and the trees falling on the house the trees falling all over the backyard we had pine trees everywhere before not many after I remember being evacuated from Charleston for storms that didn't exist they just feared that they would and you remember every detail of those any of y'all experience an earthquake? an earthquake is what's happening as these people are seeing the most vicious thing they could possibly imagine done to their leader, their savior, their hope, on Friday. And now, after all this silence on Saturday, they are going first thing possible, first light possible, maybe a little minute before first light possible, to go see and pay their respects. And it's interesting, if you look at the different depictions in the different gospels, they all have different emphases, same as y'all would if you went on a trip together. But here it's an earthquake and an angel sitting on a stone. And I didn't have any concept of what that would look like until I went. I don't know what I pictured. I pictured a rock shaped like a um, hersey kiss, like an enormous rock. That how in the world would that thing move? Only the divine could move it until I went there. And of course, this scene there, they say, is uh, quite similar. Some people say, this is the scene. But anyway, it gives you a picture. You know, pictures are worth a ton. And you're talking about a little track that goes from here to the door and a a literal wheel of a rock wheels back and forth inside that track. It's actually much easier than you think. In fact, easy enough that accusers could say, y'all are the one that did it. Nothing special happened here. But that rock is wheeled away and an angel is sitting on that rock. How do y'all feel if you go out in the parking lot and your car door is open? What if you went home on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock and your front door was open? You've actually called me many times when a church door is open. It gives you an unsettling feeling. And in fact, I've walked around here at pretty late at night, and it'll give me an unsettling feeling, even given my size. When that door is open in a place that you expect it to be closed... You fear the loss of something you truly value. And you fear someone on the other side who wishes to do you great harm. This is exactly the same, I'm guessing. Their Savior is in there. And no telling what the people who did that to your Savior would do to you. And might they be waiting just on the inside? But there sits an angel on the rock. Verse 3. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know what you're looking for, Jesus, who is crucified. He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So before we had the cemetery, then we talked about the Sabbath. Now we're going to talk about the fear. We've had lots of storms lately around here, and I'm guessing some of y'all have been in the middle of some of those storms. I'm guessing some of y'all have had lightning strikes a little close to the house, a little closer than you would like. When you see that, even when you catch just a little part of it, that light is so bright, this is an angel sitting there with the brightness of lightning. Would that be comforting to you? In the midst of already having the fear of the stone rolled away. Maybe, maybe not. But once you hear the words, they may be comforting. It's just as we told you. And that's a classic line throughout the Bible. Two of them don't be afraid and as you have been told and there's a real connection between paying attention when you were told something and not being afraid in the middle of the moment every single one of us has experienced that we've told someone listen it's gonna get crazy but this is what you're gonna do when you come up there this is all you have to do and then you list eighteen things and the person does what? Okay. Okay. Then they get up in the moment, and then they have that event, and they think ah, and they 're frightened he says don 't be afraid. There might, be no, there might not be a phrase that 's repeated more often than that in the Bible, and every single instance is an excellent opportunity to be truly afraid because in gen- generally speaking, people are being told that they 're going to do something crazy." that they're being called to leadership, that they're going to go speak to Pharaoh, that they're going to draw people out of the desert, that they're going to face Goliath, whatever it may be. Don't be afraid, he says. It's just as we talked about. Have you ever reminded someone exactly what you just said five seconds after you said it? It might be a loved one who's looking for something important to them who can never find anything and you tell them it's on the table in the bedroom and they go to the bedroom and they look on the bed it's not on the bed they leave the bedroom they come back out it's not there they come out and they say I can't find it go look again they go right back to the same spot on the bed not there leaving and you say well okay we talked about this it's on the table exactly as I said to you where's the milk it's on the second drawer no I don't see it you don't see it right here on the second drawer? Oh, oh! you're talking about the second drawer. Is that what you're talking about? It's right there. Over and over and over again, Jesus tells his disciples something critical. And for any number of reasons, they struggle to hang in there and retain it. They might be thinking about something they want to do, or it might be really frightening to hear what they're going to do. In fact, when the angel says, just as we told you, they were told three times but those three times were in the midst of a traumatic explanation to them they're in Galilee everything's going well people are being fed people are being healed everyone's excited there's a couple naysayers a couple of people holding us back but we are doing what we want to do and in the midst of the height of that excitement they're told three times we're gonna have to go to Jerusalem Those people are going to want to try me. Those people are going to want to take my very life. And when the disciples hear that, it's over. You ever have someone tell you something in the midst of something you're already doing that's far more than you can possibly process, and you go, "Mm -mm, mm Mm-mm, 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 not today. No. We might say that to our beloved spouses. Not today. When they hear that phrase, when they hear that they have to go to Jerusalem, when they hear that he's going to be tried and in fact killed, they don't hear anything else because it's so traumatic. I get it. I'm not making fun of it. But the angel says, as you have been told. Verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers, and go to Galilee, where they will see me. The cemetery, the Sabbath, the fear, the excitement. This is a very different version than John. In John, Jesus doesn't encounter them, right here, right off the bat. And in fact, when Jesus does encounter them, they struggle to understand who he is, figuring he's the gardener. He says, "I'm, look, hey. And they go, hey. He says, we're going to Galilee. Tell everybody. We're going back to the place in which we started this ministry, in which you were called, in which so many people were fed. And we're going to recalibrate. And guess what I want you to do? I want you to listen. I want you to retain it. I want you to live it out with your very life. They grabbed his feet and they worshipped him, which I think is interesting. I don't know that any other gospel says that. And the significance of that is stories that have happened earlier. Of Jesus going to Bethany, of going to visit Mary and Martha, and Martha pouring an extravagant amount of very expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and showing Jesus exactly what he meant to her. Many, many people wanted something from Jesus or wanted Him to stop or were just desperately pawing at Him. She said, I want to show you how much it matters to me that you are here and that you have called us. And she pours that out extravagantly on His feet. Just before this story, we read this text on Thursday night. Jesus sits with His disciples. He eats with them. He offers them the bread. He offers them the cup. And then He washes their feet despite their best efforts to stop him. He shows them what true leadership, sacrifice, calling are about. And so look at what they're doing. They see him. They're excited to see him. They go to his feet. And so as I'm looking at this, it occurs to me that this is sort of a cycle of biblical stories that start with the perceived permanence I'm in my situation it will not change I have no hope I'm not sure God even cares over and over and over again people call out and sometimes they're in that perceived situation perceived it it's not perceived situation um, perceived permanence of a situation and they do believe that God cares and they cry out in desperate hope please come save us and then the Sabbath how many of y'all are good at taking a Sabbath Is taking kids to soccer for four hours on a Saturday, is that Sabbath? Is coming home from taking the kids from four hours to soccer and coming home and working because you don't want to be behind on Monday morning, let's go ahead and get to it. Is that Sabbath? How many ministers do you think out of ten do a good job at taking the Sabbath? Well, it's uh, not good. I'll tell you that. Because we're always thinking, you know if, if I just get this one next thing done, then you know we're good. I think the most ridiculous thing I've ever said was I've thought about this a couple times was in January. I said, "You know, I'm so excited about 2016. We handled more than I can possibly imagine in 2016. I think we're settled. I think I could just hang out. That's the dumbest thing I've ever said, maybe in ministry, much less here at Memorial. <laughs> I was excited. I thought maybe, you know, maybe we've hit, we got plenty of stuff to do. But that plenty of stuff to do has time. This is just me talking it out. This is therapy. Me talking it out with y'all. The Sabbath provides opportunity to slow down and to actually listen and to think faithfully about the way forward. So which types of leader would I rather have in you? Which type of leader would you rather have in me? Someone who grinds it out and never rests and you get about 67% of my effort and ability? Or people that we call to truly rest and step away so that we have actual energy and purpose and drive and we've actually listened to what God has hatched us to say? Perceived permanence. This will never change. I can never change. It's over. I, I, I missed it. Followed by Sabbath, Lord speak to me in this perceived permanence, speak to me and give me a way forward, help me be the instrument of change. And then comes fear, because when you're given an opportunity to lead or an opportunity to step out from the thing that you figured was set, that's even more frightening. In fact, that's exactly why when the Israelites broke out of Egypt and they were in a land that they didn't understand, they looked back and they went, You know, slavery wasn't that bad. Maybe we'll just go back to the thing that we know. The fear comes because we're being called to do a thing that we can't fathom. But finally, excitement. Excitement that just as you've been told, I am with you, I am present for you. I've never left, and you've always been my instrument. Where do you think you find yourself on that cycle today? In perceived permanence of a situation? Are you actually resting in Sabbath? Are you in total fear because you've been called to do something that's insane? Are you in excitement because you've followed through? This is the pattern of the relationship with our God celebrated in really tight, exciting form throughout this entire holy week. So I encourage you with the words that were told to those followers as they were trying to understand and process. This is what He told us was going to happen. Now we're going to start ministry. Now I'm stepping back, Jesus says, and you're going to be my instruments. You're going to be the people that deliver this message. Let us all be a little bit scared about that. And let us all be way excited about that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able and join me for our final hymn, number 308. Thank you so much to everyone who helped us in both our worship services and Sunday school today. Um, thank you so much for coming today. If you're first time today, we hope that you'll try us again. We hope it was a welcoming environment. If you're family, we're glad you're here. We hope you enjoy the table. Hope you all have a restful Sabbath today. Uh, the office will be closed this week. So call that number and leave a message and I'll get to it as soon as humanly possible. And write Leslie and tell her welcome to our church. She's going to be excellent. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.